All right, time to find out how good these Rams are capable of being. Over the next three weeks, they'll face a couple of Super Bowl contenders and the NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys on the road. What do you guys think? Have they found their level or are they capable of more? And what I mean are, what I mean by that is, are they just the team that beats the teams they're supposed to beat? That beats the sub 500 teams, but can't rise up and knock off a Seattle or a San Francisco in their own division this year. Let's be honest. Last week, Arizona sucked. That's what I mean. That's hard. That's hard to tell how good the Rams are. And I mean, they beat them the way you're supposed yeah. to beat a team that. Well, wasn't I mean, ready but they were they were bad, bad, bad. They helped as much as the Rams helped themselves in that football game. So, I mean, I think this week versus Seattle, you'll find out who the Rams are. Would you guys agree with that? And what they are going down the stretch? Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, I I, I personally feel like, um, you know. There was like some crazy stuff that went on last week, like the Robert Woods screen that went 50 yards. Like you don't see that in NFL games. Guys don't start on the left and run all the way back right. Well, that's and, Pop Warner. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen, right? And you're um, attributing that to the Cardinals as yeah, much as you yeah, are to right. Robert Woods. Uh, I, 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 I mean, do, Rob made a play, right? But I mean, but I, I do believe there the was bigs. some there were yeah. some throws and things that I can say yes, they're getting back on track. Um, but I, I mean, it's. It's hard to say. So I think yeah. you're exactly right. When you talk about this 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 game Sunday night against Seattle Seahawks, it's gonna we gonna figure out if you're for real or not. Period. No doubt. I think Arizona was the exact right opponent before Seattle. It was a get right game for Jared Goff. Feel good about yourself because next week it's going to be even tougher. Oh, it's, it's not going to be, be the licking season. your wounds as you were after no Baltimore. Yeah, no doubt, absolutely. So um, I I hope you see the same confident Jared Goff versus Seattle. I hope you see the see the same offensive execution versus Seattle. You still had some problems with pre-snap penalties, but like I said, Arizona wasn't very good. You can overcome those. Against Seattle, you won't be able well, to. Well, David Edwards had some issues with pre-snap penalties. Yeah. The rest of the and squad was pretty good. Mo, he's got to learn how to hold like a guard, not yeah. a tackle. Yeah, you That's gotta, a tackle hold. What does yeah. that mean? What does that mean? And when you're holding on the inside, I mean, you you got to bring those arms in. You can grab, but you got to bring those arms in. Once they get away from your body, it's an yeah. easy call. Yeah, because, I mean, you got to understand. You got to so hold like a guard, man. <laughs> I think the You're biggest cheap. thing is is that this offensive line is starting to come together, and then that's important. You know, we saw some issues and miscues over the last couple of weeks, but right now it seems as if they're 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 starting to gel a little bit, which is important because you're starting to see some lanes. You were seeing there was a couple of plays against Arizona uh, where there wasn't any penetration; they were kind of all working hand in hand. Um, I, I think that you need to utilize Tyler Higby much more. I think he's shown that he still has that receiver ability in him that he had when he was in college. He and Gerald both had big games against the Seahawks yeah. in week yeah. five. So you, I, you, you, when you go into this game play, and you have to come, it, you have to do something completely different than what you've done. And I, and I think when you, what we saw in Arizona was the Rams of 2018 in 2017. It was just like yeah. three receivers set. We're going to run all these crossing routes and five step drops, and the pass rush wasn't going to get there. You can't do that. You're saying that worked because the Cardinals represented the NFC West of 2017, exactly. and 18, which it's not anymore against the teams you're going to face well, in December. No, you're exactly right. And Jadavian Clowney is, I mean, terrifying. I would throw that tape out if I was the Cardinals. I wouldn't even watch that defensively. I wouldn't. It, <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's going to kill your confidence. They cut, they cut a corner who actually played yeah. really well. Everything they did, the Rams did, worked against them. I wouldn't even watch it. Just like the Rams should have buried Baltimore. Don't watch that. Don't watch this. That's how bad they were. Right. I, I, just, think, I just think when you go to Seattle, it's, it's important that you start fast. And that you execute like it's it's cliche, but it's true. You have to start fast to get confidence. You have confidence coming from Arizona. So if you start fast, you're like, oh, we can still we got it. But if you stumble, 
If anything happens where you stumble, then that doubt starts to creep in. And that's what you can't have because you've had too many issues throughout the season where that doubt's kind of crept in, like yeah. the Bucks game or obviously Baltimore, those type of things, right? So you got to make sure both sides, or really in all three phases, that you're out there doing your job and, and making sure that you're doing everything you can. I know it's Christmas, but I'm starting to fall in love with Corbett at left guard. So Maurice kind of touched yeah. on that, too, in terms of the offensive line sinking in. And Edwards. So may, okay, you talk about the guards because I'm I'm going to add that I think it's just reps, yeah. I think Blythe at center is working, and I think Bobby Evans at right tackle, even with a healthy Rob Havenstein, should, yeah. should not be removed from that spot. Right well, now. I mean, Rob is your guy. You paid him as your guy. If he's healthy, you put him back out there, and then let him compete. I think what Bobby Evans has earned is a right to compete for the job. Um, I don't think you can earn a job when somebody's out. I know it's football; those things can change. Man, you can, yes, you I know, can. I know. But when Rob is healthy and he gets back, because he's been your guy for you know, years. You know who earned a job like that? Who? Tom Brady. Well, well, Drew was out. He got knocked out. He punctured the lung, and you had to go with Brady. But I'm just when Rob is healthy, you you plug him back in. And let's see how he. You don't plays. remember when when, when, when Drew Brees came or not Drew Brees, Drew Blesso came back, and they were like, I do. I mean, you we have to go with Tom. Well, that's quarterbacks. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I think I think it's compete for the job. Well, if I you think, can beat him out outright, if what if Rob comes back and he looks like he did two years I, I ago? I, I I can't go off what he he may look like or what he want. I only can go off what I've seen this season. And I feel like Bobby Evans has done a, a, a better job at that right tackle. He's a little bit more athletic. He's able to, he's longer. He's able to use his length a little bit better. He's not as strong in the running right. game as Rob Havenstein, but still at the same time, like, but give him, are you running the ball like that? Give him how many starts has Rob made consecutively that offensive line? I mean, they've played a lot of football. Give Bobby Evans the same run and let's see how he is in three years. That's what I'm saying. So Rob obviously came into this year beat up and Finally, he just couldn't take it anymore. So if he comes back and gets himself right, that was your right tackle. He could still be your right tackle. And Bobby Evans has played great. So I think what you've earned is a right to at least compete for the job. You know what I mean? Just You just can't hand it to a guy because he's playing well in somebody's stead. He didn't beat him out in training camp. Right. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's all I'm saying. He's DeMarco Farr with Maurice Jones-Drew. I'm J.B. Long. This is Rams All-Access previewing Sunday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks. Both these teams playing in prime time for the third time in their last four games. What used to be, coming into this month, guys, you have to win five straight to get in the postseason, has changed a little bit. I mean that in a couple of regards. First of all, I now think it boils down to can you win three straight because Seattle at Dallas-San Francisco, those are the games. If you have to win Week 17 against Arizona, that Arizona team we just saw, I can't see the Cardinals coming to LA and winning that one. To, to me, it's about the next three now. I'm not. Hmm. I think. It, can you? Go, can, goes, can you see Kyle out? Arizona up jumping, beating you? Yes. Uh, if the Rams have to win that game in Week 17 to get in, yeah. I can think, you can you look me in the eye and say that team that we saw in the desert no. last week is capable of knocking off? But I would appeal to Mo. The next time you see Arizona, they're going to be completely different. Yeah, they're going to be looking for some get back. But I still don't think at their best they can beat you. But they can obviously cause problems because look at the end of the game. I know you're playing against backups. Finally, Kyler Murray got going. Mm-hmm. You saw what they can do. He presents some issues. So if you mess around and walk into that football game, Arizona can give you a fight. I, I think it's just about matchups. The Rams match up very well against the Own Cardinals. Them. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's just, no it's just, the it's coach, just one no of those. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like they match up well. This organization matches up well against that organization for some reason, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, and I'll say this: um, <laughs> it's so crazy that like f- with four games, four games left, that you have you have like like these next three like. I'm not worried about Dallas. 
I know you're not. Really? We talked like, about I'm, that. He threw I'm, me I'm, home I'm, from the, I'm, the plane. I'm, 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 I'm not about that. Dallas. I'm, I'm, I, because they they have so much pressure on them right now. Like they're like literally bursting at the seams. Like okay. they, yeah. it's literally falling apart right in front of but us. But when they're right, when they give you a good game, yeah, forget Jason they're, they're Garrett. You got to deal with Zeke and his house. Yeah. You have to win. If you win in Seattle, think about this. If you win in Seattle and you go into there, now you, you, you've ripped off two good games. They're going to go in there thinking like, oh, no. Because they got to play a Bears team that still thinks they're in it too. And Dallas has got issues. I just, but Jared's going to walk into town as the new signee of a hundred million bucks. What Dak Prescott wants? Tell me that's not going to be a storyline. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that's so. an issue. And, and again, right now Dallas is a five hundred team, right? But yeah. who knows what they're going to be when when the Rams get there? And to this point, here's the list of teams with winning records the Rams have beat in 2019: New Orleans with Teddy Bridgewater. That was Drew That's Brees. still good. It was Drew Brees. It was Drew Brees for less than a quarter. Till a high five. You, yeah. yeah. That's, so, but that's not so, their fault. So at home, okay. you, beat, you beat a good team, a winning team, with a backup quarterback who got no reps that week in practice. That's Fair. your list of wins Fair. over teams with winning records. Here's the list of teams that are at 500 or better so far. Add Chicago. That's it. That's their resume right now. Wow. So next week, this week, next week, at San Francisco... I think you can change that. You yeah. can you can change what your res- you can say we are a postseason team. But right now, if this was the uh, college football playoff selection committee, <laughs> thank the, God it's the, not. The Rams don't have much to show them, right? <laughs> right. Oh, thank God it's not. Wow. Uh, looking forward to what's coming up next on Rams All Access. Uh, Sean McVay says, "What's changed with Todd Gurley? Uh, he's not an idiot." We'll explain what that means. But also, he has words for Maurice Jones-Drew. Oh yeah, questioning his blocking scheme. <laughs> You ready for that, Mo? I'm ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll come back with that as we preview Sunday Night Football on the Seahawks on ESPN LA 710. All right, welcome back to Rams All Access. Todd Gurley and the Rams getting set for a rematch against the Seattle Seahawks, who right now lead the NFC West, having overtaken the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Todd Gurley came off a five yards per carry performance and 115 from scrimmage against Arizona and really... Two out of his last three games, when you include the work he did against the Chicago Bears, have been productive, have been more like the girly of old. I think you throw out the Baltimore game in between them. That game got out of hand early, and clearly the Rams weren't going to run their way back into it. Nonetheless, the question was posed, as we're now in the month of December, you've heard so much about load management or the lack thereof with Gurley. What's changed with his star tailback in recent weeks? Me not being an idiot? Uh, <laughs> you know, No, I, I think uh, he's felt good, and really he's done a nice job with that, so... Um, you know, really, it, it was, you know, you look at the Chicago game and then kind of just going from there, you don't want to make some of the same mistakes that you ended up making earlier on in the, in the season. And I think he's done a nice job handling a bigger workload. But then also you do have confidence in those other guys if they need to give him a spell. That's, that's such a great, you know, he people have this misconception about him that he is an absolute football genius. He is fallible. Every coach is. They all make mistakes. He's human. Yeah, either bad plays, bad schemes, uh, bad preparation, or you're just not getting along with certain players. You know what I mean? So, But you have to find a way to fix it no matter what it is. And Put so your ego aside. His yeah. answer there diffuses some of that, you think? It's the, the perfect answer at the perfect time? I mean, look, uh, you need Todd to win. You do. <laughs> you need Todd to win games. If you want to get back to the Super Bowl, if you want to beat Seattle, if you want to beat anybody in the National Football League, you need Todd Gurley well, let's to also, be going. Let, yeah. Let's remember this. like, like Pittsburgh was a true true issue 
And I think that kind of brought everything to the forefront, right? Like Todd's averaging 6.1 yards a carry. You're throwing the ball at 5.9 yards a clip. Like that's a problem. You only give him 12 carries, right? So and I, he doesn't touch it in the fourth and quarter he, yeah, in a game like, that was played entirely within one possession. And he, and he doesn't lost play because of your quarterback's right, turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't play. Oh, like so, all these things come about. And, and when you're in, when you're in the in the locker room, like people have to understand, like everyone under everyone knows what's going on. Like you can have the elephants literally in the room and you know what's going on, especially when you're not playing well. Like, okay, these are the issues that we have to fix. And if a coach doesn't address those issues and doesn't fix those issues, it could tear your locker room apart. No doubt. And, and you're, you're seeing that throughout the league. Like you're seeing, uh, I, Jackson in the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Yeah, you paid Nick Foles 88 million, but this Gardner Minshew guy is playing so much better. So when you bench him and then Nick Foles starts playing back, guess what? Everyone starts to just lose their mind. So you have to address these issues. And I think, uh, over the last couple of weeks, he's starting to, right? Like, but well, let me let me ask. Todd's the, starting to run, you know. Let, no let, question. Let me ask them, yeah. Isn't there a distinct difference between what he or any coach, but but Sean specifically says publicly what he will give the assembled media and what he's actually doing behind closed doors? Like, I I think his words are far more candid, severe, pointed to his coaches and players when the microphones aren't on. No doubt. But it's not about it's not about what you say. It's I've it's what it. you do. Yeah. Right, so you can tell me we're going to okay. run the ball, and then we go out there and I get that, six carries. That I get. That's an I, issue. I, just, right? I, I think for our fan base and for our audience, that they do get a little bit fed up with the same old oh, yeah, response yeah, 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 from yeah. Sean at the podium, and and I think what's lost there is if it doesn't help his team, he's, he's not going to yeah. he's not going to say it publicly. No, no, and, no. and sometimes, like when I heard those same boobers, those people you're mentioning, when they say, "Well, you should give the ball to Todd Moore," and I'm I want to say, "Well, it wouldn't have mattered anyway." The old line Baltimore. was getting killed. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. You can give him 25 carries, you might make 75 yards. I, I, you know I'm, what I'm saying? But there are opportunities, like when you get down in the red zone. To me, always, the best offense in, in the red zone is the one that has a run threat. Oh, my goodness, every time. You've got to keep the, the linebackers and safety, keep their heels inside the hash, and then everything starts to work outside of that. But if there's no run threat, they'll just pin their ears back and go. So that's what I mean. If you want to win games, if you want to score points, you need an active and healthy and ready to go, Todd Gurley, to win football games. So one of the things that gets me, it, it's uh, it's like they don't even utilize him. Like We've seen him utilized as a check down in the passing game. But it hasn't, last year, I want to say the last time I think it was against the Packers where we saw Todd line up at wide receiver and catch a touchdown. Like For a, anything other than like pre-snap identification right. of defense, and, you mean? And yeah, and so for me, it's like, you have this trim, you have a ton of talent on this roster. The one, the one pass he caught for a touchdown in Atlanta. Stands right, out this but year. that wasn't—he wasn't that was receiver. He was his, the his, wheel route. He came his, out his the wheel backfield. for a touchdown in Atlanta this year. He came out of the going backfield. left, going right, Coming right, going right. Over the oh, shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, oh, great catch. Right? That's right. Yeah, and yeah. So the, to me, it's like you have so many, and it's tough. Like when you acquire so much talent, it's like how do I spin the ball around? You have to put them in a list of order. Like whoever's number one. Okay, this is who we're going to try to get the ball to most. Then number two, then three, and so on and so forth. For example, last week, Tyler Higby clearly rose to the top of that because you had an Arizona defense that couldn't defend tight ends. That, so for some reason, yeah. Gerald. <laughs> made like, him primary. Yeah, yeah like, like that's just what it, and so And that's what you do. Buda and Baker so, makes you primary. Right. <laughs> right. But I, I, I mean, think, Robert Woods and Tyler Higby were clearly the focal point. Right. And so for me, it's it's you have to find a way, regardless of, it's not about running the ball. It's about touches with 30. If you get him multiple touches, you can then put him in the backfield. And guess what? You may not run the ball. You may do play action pass, but he's touched the ball four or five times on the first drive that everyone's like, 30's getting the ball. 30's getting the ball. You don't have to, you literally don't have to run the ball in the NFL to get people to, to, 
to key in on the run game. You just have to get the ball to your running back or that person yeah. back there that like a couple like maybe it's a couple screens, maybe it's a quick swing out. Do yeah, do the Rams have a number one receiver? Like what you would call a number one receiver I, type. I, I honestly, I thought it had become Cooper Cup in London for a couple of reasons. One, because of his 200 plus receiving. Right. Two, because Brandon Cook's future was They're clearly, all good, clearly in jeopardy. I'm talking a lead dog. A number one guy like Mike Thomas. That Jalen Ramsey would have to travel with if you yes. were playing Jalen Ramsey, no. Okay, so on that offense, who would be a number one guy? It's Todd. Exactly. That's the guy. I mean, I think he's got more player of the week than anybody on this football team. That's what I mean. Throughout the run, Sean McVay's rise, Jared Goff's rise, it's all on the back of Todd Gurley, basically. Can that we, is what you need to have. Can we go back to Denver last year when things weren't going well and it was cold, it was snowing, it was all these different things, and Todd got the ball 28 times? You weren't supposed to win that game the way it was looking. But you literally turned around, and the offensive line, don't get me wrong, they took over the game, but that... that, that and, and I, I feel like we're hard. You don't just have to turn around and hand the ball to him, and that, that's what I'm trying to say. Like the running back position is completely different now than it's ever been. If you look at Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, all these different guys, it's about touches. If I can get get you the ball to get you to touch the ball, these things people will key on you, and then that opens up the play action pass and the different other things. You don't, but you just don't have to turn around and just yeah. hand the ball anymore. Like you just have to find ways to get him the ball in space. If George Kittle were suddenly on this Rams roster, would he not start? Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. But I, I think Sean knows this. Like, I maybe he's uh, been slow or reticent to get to this point in the season. But now that we're here, I, I don't think this is just lip service with himself. Right. Him taking yeah. himself to task. I like, think he's learned something. And, and, and I thought he had a, a really insightful answer when we, since you mentioned Chris McCaffrey. We asked him on Monday night, like McCaffrey's got. Uh, more yards from scrimmage right now than the last four running backs to win the MVP. Right? It, does he deserve to win the MVP? Listen to this. this is awesome. and, and out of nowhere, Sean tied it back to Todd Gurley. He, he was basically like, if Todd Gurley didn't win it in the last two seasons that we had, yeah, yeah, he said MVP to them, maybe not the league, and that made a whole lot of sense, right? Yeah, that made a ton of sense. It, it, again, it 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 goes back to just understanding who. Your team is, if that makes sense, and like, they've been they've struggled with that. They, they I don't, mean, they, there's a reason why identity has been like the most commonly used word during struggles this year for the Rams. Yeah. Because for two years it's been easy, it's been obvious. This year, not so much. The good thing for them and for Gurley is that he has 11 touchdowns in eight games against Seattle. So when they go up against the Seahawks, he is often the focal point. Rams All Access brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. Next, why Sean McVay wants Maurice Jones-Drew to come watch film with him. That's when we continue on Rams All Access. Looking forward to prime time at the Coliseum Sunday night. The last time we will see the Rams under the Lights at the Coliseum. Hard to believe that their time at that historic house is winding down. DeMarco Farr, Maurice Jones-Drew, I'm J.B. Long. All right, we've teased it a couple of times. Maurice Jones-Drew had one, he thought, helpful suggestion for Sean McVay as a play designer and play caller. Uh, I know you weren't there, Maurice, wait, on Monday wait. night during the coach's what show, did but you we, say? Did, we did ask him. Yeah, I, I said a lot of things. What did you say? <laughs> you I, want what, right? I, I, just, just give me the safety one-on-one, Mike. I don't need the receiver going in blocking. Okay. I don't need that. Okay, Maurice so, says this. So here's how we set it up, and then followed by Sean McVay's answer, and then Maurice Jones will have a chance to respond. There have been a few situations recently uh, on a running play where Robert Woods in particular, but any receiver will motion into a tight formation, yep. line up behind, let's say, a tight end or a tackle to help lead the way in a running play. 
great running back that he was in his day, Maurice says, I don't like that. Get that extra traffic out of my way. Let me take that safety or whomever on. What say you as the play caller for the Rams? I say to Mo, certain runs, yes, if you have the ability to handle support. But as elite as he was back in his prime, there are certain run concepts that if he wants to make a safety miss five yards into the backfield before he gets an exchange, then I say to you, Come on down, big fella. We'll sign you to a contract because now we're playing plus one. Uh, you know, so there is a balance. And I certainly have heard that, you know, because I do understand when you're talking about some split safety stuff, you know, where they might not have an extra guy down into the box. All right, hey, just let the receiver block the corner. Let me take care of the safety so I at least know when I get to the second and third levels, all right, that I'm not going to get sideswiped from a corner. I've definitely heard that consistently. Uh, Mo's a very smart guy, has a lot of production, a lot more production than I did in this league. All right, but uh, I say to you, my friend, on some of these tight zones where a receiver has to account for the force defender, you want to leave him unblocked, it might be second and 15. <laughs> I, I like that. I, I, I think, uh, again, like I, I think he's exactly right. right. And I, well, I, I, th- I think the way they run some things, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. I was so used to running inside zones or what he calls tight zones. Uh, away from that that box safety so that we would always account for the strong side guy and we'd always be blocking to him. And then they'd leave the backside guy who's four or five yards off the ball to me. Uh, the reason I say you leave him to me is because he's not shooting down the he's not shooting down the line. He's literally like shuffling, playing like I the backside support. Session. No we question. Need a film session that was with you and McVay. Wasn't that Sean's contention? Is that if they left that guy unblocked, he'd be in yeah. your backfield? Now, have you ever been trapped in the backfield by a safety on the, on the goal I've been, line? I've been like on the goal line's different, but even even with on the goal line, like I could show you tape of me being one on one with a guy and making a mess or dealing, I'm just with running through him. That's like, what I'm saying. Like, like I, have you ever lost that battle? Once. I think that's what he's I, talking I about. I lost it one time, and it was my boy Antoine Bethea who oh. caught me. He just hit me low. Yeah, yeah. But but even that, even then, like I should have won that matchup because he hit me on the one yard line, and I just he, he just caught me at like the right angle where I couldn't drive my feet and reach over right, the top right, of right, him. Right. But for the like, there, there's sometimes, and I get it because they run they run certain plays, and I and I and I don't want to dive into the kind of the plays they run, but it's when you bring that guy in a ton. You're pretty much saying 90% of the time, 99% of the time, we're running the ball downhill at you. And then right. you're just inviting a nine on seven type of mentality or a run first mentality. I think that's what he wants because he can slip somebody behind you so, yeah, like in play that. action. Yeah, that's See, what I mean. He's like, like, like yourself, if I, if, but I want to, yeah. but if I want to score. But if I'm coordinating against you, right, I'm going to tell that safety, you better shoot because he's going to beat you at the goal line. He's going to run you over. If, so if you we shoot, need to be, but we, if you shoot, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to do my waggle or my, my play action pass where I fake it to you. And that guy shoots that's what I mean. and blocks down and whips out. And then guess what? He's, that's just, like, that's what just, I'm saying. Right. I think there's a hundred ways to skin a cat. I, I just have never been a fan because one, I don't like corners because corners, Take your knees out, right? I hate I hate corners. That's what you're they, talking about getting side yeah, you get side swiped and you don't see them because they they because once once the, once the receiver comes in, it's it's a wall and then you just try yeah. to bounce outside and that guy's right there. You don't see him, you you get hurt. I'd rather be able to see the hit coming so that I can so that I can make yeah. make, make what I, like make it do what I want to do. Haven't you know? we seen Todd get out on that corner? The same way he goes flat left or flat yeah. right, and, and then, then it's we, all of a sudden one on one with the corner. I think it's his best red zone run. You're yeah. talking about when he presses a line he's and then, and then and yeah. he makes yeah. an immediate left, yeah. and it's just him in that corner and the pylon, and let's see who's stronger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you can't get to his legs. Well, and and yeah. I think this is the I think and I think Coach McVeigh really uh, he didn't say it, but he harped on it. Is like we're different, 
right? Like me and Todd are com- my my running style and Todd's running style is completely different. Where Todd is going to try to hit the corner and use his length, right? His his arms to stiff arm you. Like I can't. Come There's on, like, no like, way. I can't I, yeah. stiff arm people. So I have to. My style is completely different. Where I have to. And that's what I was saying on air was like, I just didn't, I just didn't like that because yeah, I it didn't allow me to be my best. There's no way I would tell, tell Eric Weddle to take you on from, from five yards deep on the goal line. You'll right. run him over. Right. So at the snap, you're running. That's what I mean. So we're going to shoot into the backfield and try to trap you for a so, loss. So, well, you know, so we're we, giving you so the play I'm, I'm going to tell you what yeah. we used to do when, when teams, when we, we faced teams that would shoot their safeties or linebackers in gaps, we would then leave the D end. And because guess what the D end has to do? If he's Both. not blocked, <laughs> right. he has to go up the field and check the quarterback. Exactly. So it gives yeah. me just enough of a time to be able to either slide by him or he can't hit me square enough where I can yeah. kind of ride the wave. So there, there's different ways to, to to run the ball. I just, for my style and what I was doing, putting an extra block in there didn't help me. It hurt no me doubt. because I didn't have the length of a stiff arm to keep a safety or not a safety, a corner at bay. This is funny. I was thinking about this on the way over. I would love to have a Steven Jackson type on this team right now. Mm. Really, I or mean, any, just, or any team ever. Well, just, just <laughs> no, an absolute yeah. hammer because it's going to open you up for play action. You cannot play that guy flat footed on the goal no. line. He'll he'll walk you into the end zone. So you're going to have to be aggressive. You know, with opens one, you up one, for play there's action. There's one in the draft coming out. Who? That little guy from LSU? No, no, who no. looks just like you? Yeah, that's what he, yeah, I talked to one of our uh, the scouts for the Rams. He kept saying that. I was like, that's funny. Just because he's short doesn't mean he looks like. No, he he runs just no, like he, you. He, he does run hard. He disappears. Uh, I was going to say Najee Harris from Alabama uh, is your Stephen Jackson type, athletic enough to catch the ball out of the backfield. He has enough speed to take it the distance. Yeah, but he doesn't have like the long, long speed. You know, forget the catch and just run. Yeah, but yeah. but if you give him the ball downhill, all of a sudden now you have a goal line back that you can actually move out wide. Play actions yeah. wide open. Yeah. And so I. I I think again, you know what Coach McVay said, though, and I, I'm, I appreciate you guys throwing me under the bus. That's awesome. No, we didn't throw you under uh, the wait bus. a minute. No, no, no. I appreciate it. I, I, we I mean, just knew I, that we it brought would be, you in. We knew it'd be yeah. a good bit. We yeah, it, it was a bit. great bit. It was a great bit. I, I, I truly believe that you guys are right. That's some of Todd's best runs are when he yeah. can use his stiff arm on a corner. I just, again, for me personally. I'd rather just be one-on-one with the safety all day, every day. Here's where I think we arrive at some common ground, though. It came up earlier in this conversation is they have a tendency now. And when you see that short motion from Robert, you know what's coming and it hasn't been successful. No. So what's the next evolution? Play what's action. the counter? Yeah. It, 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 it has to be spin something. Spin it to your favor somehow, right? right? Absolutely. And whether or not philosophically you agree with the concept, the concept hasn't worked. So what's your next iteration? You know, he told me one time, and I, I got this from Mike Martz and I brought it to him. When your setup plays break for touchdowns, it ruins your rhythm as an offensive <laughs> yeah. coordinator. Right. You didn't get to the one that you really <laughs> right. like. Right. This is what we're trying to set up, yeah. but that one hit the end zone. So right. I, I, I just got to keep running it. Like <laughs> right. that's. <laughs> that I, re- I, re- I remember watching the I remember our, the first time we won the NFC West so we were in Tennessee and Coach McVay called a screen against that blitz right and we they have been calling screens all day and they kind of been just muddled but you have to keep calling it because like they're blitzing you from all over the place and it hit and I was like oh my god they're about to call this thing again and again right and 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 that's what you do in those situations you just I don't know it just goes you just try to find ways to Put your yeah. best your players in the best position to be successful. If that mm-hmm. makes Don't sense. Don't you call the analytics people nerd nest? That's the nerd nest. Every time I see a team, doesn't matter Rams or opponent, when they hit on a screen when you're blitzing, I say that's nerd nest. 
they had you. They knew when you were coming, when you like to send pressure and where from, and they screen out around it. You know what I mean? It's timing, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's when you deploy it and how. It's down and distance. Everybody has tendencies. When you get in this situation versus when he had success or failure, he's going to bring pressure, and boom, out goes the screen. All right, we're going to spend about the rest of this program talking about the other side of the football. The Rams defense against Russell Wilson and the Seattle offense. Four down territory with Brady Henderson, our guest, is right around the corner. And Chris Collinsworth says if he had to vote right now, he's taking Russell Wilson over Lamar Jackson for MVP. We'll let Maurice Jones, Drew, and DeMarco Afar react as we continue on this edition of Rams All Access. All right, we continue with Rams All Access, and this is four down territory. Great to have Brady Henderson, who covers the Seahawks, back on the program. And Brady, it feels to me like there will be one of two narratives when this Seattle season is done. Either they were way over their skis at 10-2 and two in terms of their scoring differential, or this really is their year and winning close games is a trait for this group, the clutch gene uh, that their quarterback talks about. Which one are you subscribing to at this stage of the year? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know if they're like the best team in the NFL. I probably would, would not say that just because we've seen uh, Baltimore beat them, and, and you know we've seen some flaws on that team. But I do think there is something to be said for their ability to win all those close games. Um, you know, they they do seem to make those plays when it counts, and you know they're nine and one uh, in games decided by one score or fewer. And obviously, they've only played twelve games, so that just gives you an idea of you know how often it's come down to the wire for them. And you know, look, you you can poke holes in, in their pass rush and their. Um, you know, secondary and their offensive line, whatever. But the fact is, you know, they are making those plays when they need to. Brady, they do it especially under the lights. What is it with Pete Carroll, with Russell Wilson, and with primetime in these Seahawks? You know, I, the, the one thing that I could that could venture a guess is really it's the way that they approach those games. And I think it's, you know, you, you, you might think that, oh, well, it's primetime and they really kind of step up and they really – um, you know, try to reach for that extra gear. And it, it's really kind of the opposite of that is they really try to, um, you know, treat every game the same. And that kind of sounds like a, a cliche thing. But, you know, Pete Carroll tells a great story about how he learned, you know, a hard lesson when he was at USC. And, and the, the super condensed version of it is, you know, his, his first game at Notre Dame, he really made a big deal out of it, like pulled out all the stops when the team got to South Bend um, and they ended up getting their butts kicked. And, and he said, never again am I going to make any game you know, more important than another one. And so uh, that could be it, is that when, when other people, other teams are really trying to step up and really try to, you know, change the way they play, they're just maintaining. Interesting anecdote from the past, especially for our L.A. audience. Thanks for that, Brady Henderson, who covers the Seahawks in the Pacific Northwest. It is a short week after Monday Night Football. Any of the names on the injury report of concern at this stage of the week? Yeah, Jadeveon Clowney uh, and Ziggy Antha, both those guys, um, were limited participants on uh, Wednesday, and Clowney has that core muscle injury that he's has said he's going to have to manage throughout the rest of the season uh, because he decided to put off surgery. Uh, Ansa had a shoulder, uh, a stinger in that game Monday night. Uh, so those are two. Luke Wilson is another guy. He did not practice Wednesday. Uh, he's missed some time with a hamstring injury. And then Tyler Lockett, you know, he, he's been playing through uh, first, you know, that shin injury that he suffered in that Monday night game in Week 10. Um, and then also an illness. He, he he was bit with this flu bug that made its way around the Seahawks locker room last week. So I would guess that the flu, the you know the illness is going to be less of an issue. Uh, but it it might take you know I don't I'm not sure if he's all the way back yet. 
to full speed from that shin injury that he was listed on the injury report with last week as well. I think Rams fans have seen enough of Tyler Lockett to know that he's going to be at their best against L.A. Last one for Brady Henderson, and it has to do with the story in the backfield. Now, there was a moment in time where it seemed like Rashad Penny was probably a bust as a number one pick uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, but recently he's come alive. Are they starting to lean on him? And in hindsight, does that look like a better first-round selection than maybe we gave them credit for? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the 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 danger is always you know judging a first round pick too soon or judging a draft pick too soon. And I kind of thought all along that you know Rashad Penny's best work was going to come um, if not towards the end of Chris Carson's rookie contract and maybe after that because you don't know what's going to happen. Are are the are the Seahawks going to you know reinvest in a guy like Carson who was you know really takes and delivers a pounding who has an injury history and so. Um, I, I always kind of held off judgment on Penny, and, and you're seeing now the talent that they uh, that the Seahawks saw when they took him in the first round. And you know, really for his first season and a half, he was buried behind Carson on the depth chart uh, to the point where you know there were games this season and last season, but really this season where you know he, he I think he played like three, four, five offensive snaps. Uh, really was just you know a total non-factor. And then the past two weeks, uh, it's been almost a 50-50 split in terms of offensive snaps with Carson. You know, I think he has just a handful of more snaps than Penny has. Um, and you're seeing, you know, the last couple games, you've seen the, really the two most productive games of his career. So I don't know why that would change uh, now that he's really come on like he has. Had some big moments in the game here at the Coliseum last season, Rashad Penny. Our thanks to Brady Henderson for stopping by. These games are always a blast. Looking forward to uh, Sunday Night Football, Brady. All right, enjoy it. Thanks, fellas. And have a good rest of your week. Rams All Access brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. A couple more bits here on Russell Wilson because I do want to get to Chris Collinsworth saying he's the MVP. Uh, Russ played basically a perfect game against the Rams last time we saw him, and L.A. still should have won. I mean, that was his very best under the Thursday night lights, and the Rams were a 44-yard field goal away from coming home with the victory. Uh, Wilson also has been every bit the best quarterback in the league in prime time. 26-5-1 in night games in his career. According to Elias, that's the best record by any quarterback since the merger. But has he been outperformed by Lamar Jackson and the sensation that is the Baltimore Ravens offense? Well, according to the guy who's going to be calling the game at the Coliseum Sunday night, not so much. And one of the things that I've watched with him this season, I went back and just watched every throw he made during the course of this year, is how many times the first option ends up being a deep ball. And this is an offense that is looking to make big plays. And the more deep balls you throw, the more they back up, and the greater the pressure on a pass rusher, now you're going to rush four and try and get to this guy? I mean, there's gaps to go everywhere. So he controls the offense, both the passing game, the running game, the play action. You want to talk about the most valuable player in the league. All due respect to Lamar, in my mind, there's no question right now it's Russell Wilson. Wow. Uh, Hard to refute anything Chris Collinsworth said. He's earned it. I think Lamar is the MVP. I think he's making it go. But I I see what he says with Russell Wilson. And to your point, JB, um, Russell Wilson's best game um, against... Tampa, I think it was week nine and going all the way back to week two when he was absolutely flawless. I think they won both game by games by a total of five points. So even if he plays great, it's going to be close. That's just the nature of the beast right now. But I see what he says. And deep shots against the Rams or against anybody facing Seattle is is real because when they add that sixth offensive lineman, the a fant when he comes yeah. in, number seventy four, you've got six blockers. 
plus Russell Wilson. So they can get doubles all the way across on all four of your rushers. And there's no one to get the Russell Wilson. So he has all day to throw to buy time and find somebody deep or make something happen. So they put him in position to be that MVP type guy. That's what I mean. It's tough to get to him when they bring that extra wide body in there. Yeah, I, so I, I'm, I agree with everything Chris Collinsworth said, but I also agree with DeMarco. Um, we had a chance to play Seattle, and Russell did some crazy things. Like, it was unbelievable. But no one, I've never seen anybody like Lamar Jackson. I mean, even what Patrick Mahomes did last year and some of the throws he made still doesn't yeah. surprise me to what I've seen. We saw in person on that Monday night. When he dropped the ball on the ground, picked it up. Like when when I think of MVP, I think of someone that you could literally take him off that team, put him on any team, and they'll be phenomenal. And I think that's what you can do with Lamar. I, I personally think that you don't. He doesn't have to run this style of offense in Baltimore. He doesn't have to. We've seen him throw the ball. I mean, we literally sat there and watched him live. He didn't have to bring in Greg Roman. Yeah, he. Yeah. Like, you didn't have he to didn't do miss that. in the Coliseum, did right? He? <laughs> like, and, and and I get it. And I think it's the same with Russell Wilson. But watching both of those guys. In live in person, I was more in awe of Lamar Jackson, what he was able to do, and how he played the game. Like Russell slides. Yeah, I've never Lamar, seen Lamar tries slide to at all. run people over. Yeah, uh, but both quarterbacks, like, you're holding your backside and praying. No, question. I mean they're they're both good. They're both worthy of being MVPs. But I think Lamar's just got it. And uh, just in defense, if I can, of a friend of mine, Tim Ryan. Is that his name up in San yeah, Francisco? Yeah, the radio analyst for the 49ers. That's not the first time I've heard that. Suspended for this week's game in New Orleans because of a comment he made about the color of Lamar Jackson's At skin. At night with those with those jerseys, I, that's not the first time I've heard that. Really, I've heard that before this year. It's hard to pick up the football. Didn't Eric Weddle said sometimes he didn't know where the ball was? Yeah. I think that's what he was trying to say. It just came out really, really bad. I, I, I want to just go back to Collinsworth's yeah. thing for a moment. Because um, I, I, this is, to me, what the MVP boils down to. While I do agree that if you try and quantify what they have done with the football in their hands, I think there's a case to be made for Russell Wilson right. and the plays he's made. What that doesn't account for is how much Lamar impacts games when he doesn't have the football oh my in goodness. his hands. you got to watch him, right? Like, there's yeah. there's no pro football focus for, like, how do I grade out this handoff? But when yeah. he is monopolizing a side of a defense because he could come out the backside... Go back and watch. Dude, how do you, how do you grade him positively with, for that, watching, right? Going into the coach's show, or we're, we're doing less that night, after the Baltimore game, right? So I stop in an office, and he says, watch this. He plays the tape. Lamar does that, the mesh, right? The yeah, read option. Yeah, the rush, yeah. Puts the ball in, and he rides it for two or three counts. And he says, count the eyes. I look up on defense. He's got nine eyes on him. He gives it off to Ingram. There's a big hole. Away he goes. Lamar takes two steps. Nine guys go with him. And then they react to the football. Right. And that's every single play. And and, and that's why I say, like, the what he's been able to do, and I don't know if he'll be able to do this forever. I, I don't. I, and I, I don't. I don't. But... He is changing the game of football because Baltimore, not only they demolished a, a New England defense that was number one, one of the people were talking about the greatest defense ever, the way they were turning the ball over and scoring on defense. I mean, demolished them, right? Like, then goes out and does the same yeah. thing against San Francisco. Well, they didn't demolish them, but on a bad weather day and not Lamar's best day, they still got it done. They got the yeah. win. They're, they're, and they're and think about this. Think I guess he, maybe the best defense think, in the league. Think yep. if he doesn't fumble that ball when he's when he has, like, yeah. 40 yards to run. He's gone if that guy doesn't ugly. pull the goal up, right? Like, it, it, it could have gotten ugly. The, and only, so, the only thing I would do if I was John Harbaugh in Baltimore and follow me on this, maybe draft another one. 
Well, they did. Trace McSorley, same person. Okay, I, I would keep drafting guys like him just in case something happens to him and you can still run the same offense. I'll summarize the point, the MVP debate this way, and, and I'm used to this because growing up a Notre Dame fan and going to Notre Dame, I think the Fighting Irish handed out a few Heismans in their day. <laughs> no doubt. Including to Trojans along the way, because yeah. if you beat Notre Dame, if you have big-time yeah. games against Notre Dame, you win the Heisman. It's kind of cool to me that Russell Wilson is coming in for Sunday Night Football at the Coliseum, because if he is the MVP... They don't show it there. Lead six down t- touchdown drives in a row against the Rams under the bright lights of L.A., and you'll get your votes, right? Because that's what Lamar did. So in some you ways... In make some ways, Aaron Donald an afterthought. Let's see like, if you can do that. Like, that's an oversimplification because there have been other big points along the way, but like... When the MV- the MVP goes through Aaron Donald and the Rams. Right. Maybe that's how to summarize Let's see if it. you can do that. Right. Uh, <laughs> playoff picture, percentages, and are the Seahawks lucky or good? That's how we'll finish this edition of Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. All right, finishing up with a few odds and ends, and let's start with playoff odds. Uh, the New York Times, 538, a bunch of these sites have like uh, scenario generators where you can pick the results of games down the stretch and see what it does to the Rams' chances of reaching the playoffs. It turns out if they win out, they're almost a lock. I mean, 98%, as high as 98% if they win their wow. final final four games. If they finish 3-1, and one, though, here's the interesting part. They're still solidly in the game. And I think that has more to do with maybe what they think of the Vikings and their chances down the stretch. But how about this? 3-1, and one, if the loss is to, we'll just do it in chronological order, Seattle, they still have the Rams with a 60% chance. Dallas, 61%. If they lose to San Francisco, that one would hurt. It would take them down to 55 and then if they were to lose the finale against Arizona, 61%. Hmm. Man, so I, 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 didn't guess, think, I didn't think it would be here and have yeah. an odds-on chance at 3-1 and one down the stretch. So I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing, I'm jumping into your head. You've got three games with Seattle, San Fran, and Dallas, and you'd probably drop San Fran. So you've got to beat the other two. I think Is that could, what you're thinking? I think you could play very, very well and finish 2-1 and one coming home to host Arizona. Am yeah. I and wrong? Sa- and, and San Francisco would be that tough out. I think San Francisco is the worst matchup okay. remaining. I, I agree. Tough out. Yep. It, it is, but at the, I, I, I truly believe when you watch that game, and I, I had to go back and watch it because I've been asked about it a ton, the Rams were right there. It wasn't like, and I get it, they didn't have uh, their tackles or... Yeah, they're down uh, two tackles and a fullback. But they had Kittle. And we saw without Kittle, that offense was completely different. Seattle played them without Kittle. And so I still believe like... Is just the Rams match up well against well, them. Well, de- okay, the, defensively, the Rams versus anybody, I feel good except for Baltimore. Oh, I wouldn't it's, want to see them again. Nobody does. It's just San Francisco's defense against the Rams' offense but, is but what scares, of, especially that pass rush. But think about this, and you're right. But remember, the Rams got down to the one the one yard line and went for it on fourth and goal, didn't get it, and yeah. then coming out of half, they turned the ball over on something on a play that we saw literally go thirty four oh, no, yards. No. Yeah, so yeah. and didn't Corey Littleton have a uh, pick six on oh, the chest plate. Yeah. So, so yeah. th- like that there was, was your play when you don't make the Pro Bowl. Go back to that play. Yeah. Corey. But, but yeah. again, those those are the things when you play really good teams, you have to make the plays that come to you. Right. And so there's something that tells me, and I, it could be because I'm I'm a homer. And don't and, wait, wait, and don't forget, San Francisco missed some wide open plays too. They did. Yeah. But they, they also made more yeah, plays yeah. than the Rams did as well. True. Um, and so, so I, I just think like the pass rush was there. It was crazy at some points. But I, I remember that first drive. What was that first drive like? Seven run plays, Robert Woods, end around touchdown. His only touchdown of the year. You beat him up. Yeah. Rams All Access brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams.
So I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but I do want to know what you guys think about New Orleans this week. Who are you picking, 49ers or Saints? Man, I don't that, it's, listen, the the Saints in the dome. I tell people all the time, like I, we we experienced that last year. That, that's something I don't ever so, want to go back. So to, to your point about the Niners, like I I think they're for real. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done doubting their chances. I think they got there sooner than I expected, but they're there. Except if they're a wild card team and they have to play on that first weekend, and if they have to take their show on the road to I, New Orleans, San Francisco. I, yeah, I think it's all weather because they can rush. But what about if it's noise? It's it's all weather. I think they can rush anywhere. They can get pressure on yeah, you from anywhere. Offensively, you you know what the playoffs and they're, I, running, I just, and they're running the ball. So I mean, I they think don't... this week is in some ways more telling than Baltimore because Baltimore is an entity unto yeah. itself, and you don't have to worry about yeah. that until Miami again. Right. But can you go to Lambeau? Can you go to the dome? See, I think they can. See, I think you can yeah. go to Lambeau. I, can, I don't know if you can go to the dome. Can I think they, they go, can run it? Can they go to Seattle, which is where they're going to finish the season? I They've think been there. I think they're good enough, and the way they play, it's it's old school black and blue ball. At crowd noise, it doesn't matter. They're running it down your throat. But but often, like this is the other thing that concerns me, and I and I've I've said this a couple times about the Niners, and and I I do believe that defensively that front seven, like those guys are playing better than anyone in the in the National Football League. But your quarterback has to be it has to win you games, and we people can say as that's much as they want about Jared what, Goff, but in that Saints game in the NFC Championship. He in that second yeah. half, he took it over. Who are you playing that's, in the playoffs? That's why again? I want to see Garoppolo with his ear holes plugged shut because it's so loud in there. I want to see yeah. how he right. shows up in that environment in New Orleans. Yes, against that defense might be tough to run. Yeah. Uh, last thing, let's circle back to the Seahawks. That's who the Rams have this week. We're getting too far ahead of ourselves with the Niners. Seattle's won five games in a row. Their second longest active streak behind Baltimore. They haven't won six straight since fourteen when they went to the Super Bowl. But. They've outscored their opponents by a total of 36 points net this season. An average of three points per game. It's the lowest point differential by a team to win 10 of its first 12 in NFL history. They're 6-0 and on the road. Like I kind of asked Brady, are they over their skis? Like, are they the worst 10-2 and team no. in the bunch? Or are they on to that something That is how here? they want yeah. to win football games. They nobody, remind, want, nobody wants to win one-score football yes, games. They no, do. They That's how they do. of Atlanta when they had Michael Turner. They're going to yeah. beat the 49ers by three. They're going to beat... Christian Brothers High School by three points. Yeah, they don't. It, it's all them, the same. Yeah, to them, it's 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 they just Pete Carroll. I work with Michael Robinson, who played for the Seattle Seahawks. He said Pete Carroll tells these guys all the time, "You don't win the game in the first quarter. You don't win it in the second. You don't win it in the third. You win the game in the fourth quarter." And they all believe that. So, no matter if you win by one or you win by a hundred, guess what you win? Guess, you, you just, just win. win, right? Yeah. So it sounds like you guys are expecting another one-possession game, maybe even a three-point game, and I'll leave you with this kind of parting shot. I know it's the thing we talk about least, but I think the key to December is Johnny Hecker and Greg Zerline playing like all pros. No question. Right? Well, stop missing then. <laughs> Sean McVay said as much this stop week. Missing and, and rarely does he take anything as head-on as he did, yeah. but he said, we got to make our kicks. No doubt. For us to get to where we're trying to go, which is January... You got to make your kicks the next four weeks, punting and kicking. It's the smallest thing. We never devote any real estate to it, but we'll come back here next week and we'll see if that was the difference against the Seattle Seahawks. Hope you join us in prime time at the Coliseum. It's an LA Bold Sunday night against a division rival. For MJD, for DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Long. This has been Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.